0: Forever,
1: dog. Just between us. Hey.
2: Just between us. Hey. Yeah. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm
0: a writer, mental health advocate, and as of a week ago, a watercolor painter. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bi bisexual, icon, wink, and when the cat's away, the mouse will play, baby. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's that mean? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Mal's on tour. Wait, you, you were talking about wanting a hobby and wanting to go back to painting. Hey, oh my god, Allison has just held up for our audience the biggest palette of paints I have ever seen in my life. Wow.
2: Yeah. The most loyal fans will remember I had quite a renaissance of of painting, but it was with acrylic paint. I wanted to try watercolor. And so now that's what I'm trying. I've only done it once so far. What are you painting? Just some abstract color work. (laughs) Oh, okay. Because you used to paint like, Fish and like, you know, creatures. Yes, I used to paint creatures, but I think I'm going to try some abstract work. I also am a little bit multimedia because I like to use a black marker along with my paint.
0: You should sell these. You should have an auction. We should have an auction. Oh, my God. God. He sound like my dad. Wait, do you remember when our old friend cameraman Doug, when Doug Mm -hmm. had a big gallery showing for his friend David, and it was like all David's paintings and they sold them. Remember? Yeah, but I don't, I don't have paintings. I have one little, I'll show you what I did. We'll start cranking them out and we'll hold a big gallery showing and we'll pay for them. I bought a painting. I bought one of David's paintings. Yeah, but that was a real artist. Oh no, John has
2: caught me showing off my art and he's so mad that I call it art. Why? John.
0: Do you like this? Don't be a hater. Yeah, I love it. I think I think if you did like 20 more of those, we could have the gallery showing at my house.
2: <laughs> the one thing I would think more about selling is my, my cartoons, my emotional support lady cartoons.
0: Sell, selling them? What do you mean? Selling the originals? Or like making them po- little posters or little pieces of artwork. And you sign them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I can't have a gallery showing for stick figures, so I'm out. But- I can have a gallery showing for actual art. I have standards. I'm the wow. art, I'm the Anna Delvey of this fake art situation that we're doing right now. I do not have time for this. I do not have time for you. <laughs> wow. Okay. So my my bad abstract
2: watercolor work you will display in your house, but my uh, emotional support lady cartoons that has over forty thousand people following them n- not interested. No.
0: Okay. With big what big posters of cartoons get out of here. I want art. I want art. Okay, okay, fair. enough. I'm not very good at the accent of Anna Delvey because Mal is very good at it, and then I've spent my time perfecting Elizabeth Holmes, and so that's how oh. we talk to each other in our house.
2: <laughs> Maybe it's good you have a little break from each other so you can really. Really work those accents. So they're perfect. I'll so they're perfect reunion.
0: when we meet up again and for no mm-hmm. reason talk in those voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it weird to be alone again? Well, they just left yesterday and oh. Mal-, Mal is currently on tour with Night Vale, if you are a fan of Night Vale. Um, and they'll be on tour with them again in June, but they're on tour with them starting Sunday in DC. And then they're going on their own tour. So they're going to be, I mean, when we were together in 2019, they were touring all the time. We just thought Mm -hmm. it was normal. And then we spent two years up each other's buttholes. And then now they're touring again, which is, again, normal. They're they're usually on the road. So it's interesting. We're going to go back to how it was. So I don't know. Part of me is like, I like being alone. The other part of me is I'm hanging out with friends. The other part of me is I feel a little like directionless. And the other part of me is I'm scared all the time at night that there's a murderer in the house. So (laughs) yeah, that all
2: seems fair and it tracks.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games and brutal honesty. I don't know why Mal being there would prevent a murderer from being in the house, but it's easier to convince yourself that noises are another person. But when you're alone, you're just like, well I hope I don't get killed well yeah
2: John has become very attached to our security system in the new house and last night was doing a bit that he could voice activate the ADT (laughs) but he can't (laughs) (gasps) yeah he just keeps trying to convince me that he can voice activate various things that are not voice activated that's hilarious
0: that's very funny
2: (laughs) I think that's comedy no it's very funny (laughs) Also, an ongoing bit that our lights are clap on, clap off when they're not.
0: Okay. I went, my friend Cerise, I went to her house when she was out of town to feed her snake. And I went to go feed her snake, and the snake is in a tank in the bedroom. And she's like, My lights are clap on, clap off. So you have to clap to turn them on. I'm like, Okay. I get into her bedroom, pitch dark, clapping, (laughs) clapping, clapping, nothing happening. I'm like clapping, clapping, clapping. I call her. I'm like, I cannot fit. Where's your light switch? Because it's not turning on. She's like, we don't have a light switch. It's just clap on, clap off. I'm like, what am I? Do I not know what a clap is? Like, what am I doing wrong here? Could I went and fed that snake like three times? Could not turn the lights on. Could not figure out. She's like, it's literally clap on. And I was like, it's not working for me. Am I a ghost? Am I dead? I don't know. So I fed this snake in the dark three times because I and she was like, you're wrong. This it's clap. I swear to you, the lights will turn on. I go, well, not for me.
3: I I, can I can I tap in for a second? Of course. What 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 was the rhythm at which you were clapping? Oh, are you kidding me? No, I'm being serious (laughs) because the old commercials, it was clap on. So if you weren't clapping like that, then the rhythm wasn't right for it to turn on.
2: Oh, they should have relayed that to you. If there was a specific rhythm.
0: Honestly, there are certain times where I'm like, I'm dumb. And I get it. I'm an excellent clapper. Would you like to hear? Yeah.
2: No, that wasn't it. I have to find my groove. No.
0: That's pretty good. If I was at the opera, I'd be like, yeah. Nice. It's not my best work. Anyway. Anyway, we've got a great
2: episode (laughs) for you guys
0: today. (laughs) You would have been able to turn on Cerise's lights. Unfortunately, I could not. We are going to be talking to Laura Stassi all about Dating While Gray, which is her podcast about dating over 50. Allison has never been more excited.
2: I love this podcast and I love her. And then later, we're going to be talking all about the zeitgeist. And does it matter if you have any idea what's going on in pop culture or not? Great. But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. Can you know what that means? Hit it! International quest. anonymous the uk that's a true international baby coming at you fast all right (laughs) pronouns they them tldr should i pretend to be friends with my turf mentor or be honest about my feelings dear allison and gabby first off can i just say how thankful i am to have found your content you've taught me so much about the world in general and you stopped me feeling so alone when i was a sad queer teenager So right now, I'm a trainee teacher, which means I'm working in a school alongside a more experienced teacher, my mentor. Everything was going great. My mentor was lovely, constantly trying to feed me, and seemed to be making a genuine effort to get my pronouns right. However, I recently found out my mentor is a TERF after one of the kids mentioned that she had posted some anti-trans stuff on Twitter. At first, I couldn't believe it, but that night I went home and checked and discovered that the kid wasn't mistaken or exaggerating. My mentor had retweeted loads of TERF anti-trans posts. I was really upset. I felt lied to and betrayed and kind of unsafe. I mean, this was a person who had been so nice to me and seemed so accepting, and I just couldn't reconcile her with her online persona. I felt like she secretly hated me and was just pretending to be nice. Acting on advice from my university tutor and my friends, I had a conversation with her about her views. She was really apologetic and explained that she just wanted to protect female-only spaces, and wasn't against trans people. I'm not sure what to believe. Now I understand why she believes what she does, and she has made some changes, like making her Twitter account private. But that doesn't change that she still posted some really hurtful things. If she wants female-only spaces, why tweet mean stuff about trans people? And why imply that trans women aren't women? And why bother to retweet stuff about binders, which doesn't affect gendered spaces at all? In the end, I decided that I can learn to work with her, even if we can't be friends. It's not like I'll be able to pick and choose who I get to work with in the future. So I should start getting used to it now. The trouble is I haven't told my mentor about my feelings. She seems to be under the impression that we've completely made up and that we're friends again. Part of me wants to make my emotions clear. I hate lying slash being lied to and I feel like I'm being just as bad as her now. It makes me really uncomfortable when she touches my back, calls me sweetheart, or asks about my weekend because I don't know how to say back off without ruining our professional relationship. The other half doesn't want to rock the boat. As my mentor, she's in a position of power over me. She observes my lessons, writes my references, and we need to share an office every day. It might be easier, albeit ickier, to pretend to be friends. I still really like the side of her I knew before, but whenever I try to be friendly with her, I remember the views she holds and everything feels sour. So yeah, should I pretend like everything's normal and hold out until the end of the year? Or should I tell her how I really feel? Any advice would be appreciated.
0: Holy crap. First of all, I know the UK has the highest level of transphobic people. I don't I don't know. Not the highest level, obviously, but like there's so many transphobes in the UK. It's really wild. And other people have said explained this better than I can right now. But for some reason, the UK is like a hub for transphobia. I would like to reframe the word TERF. TERF means trans exclusionary radical feminist. I don't think these people are feminists. I think they are just transphobes, but turf is a, a shorthand. Okay, you said to hold out to the end of the year. So does that mean that you will get a new mentor next year? In which case, I get, I get why you wouldn't want to do that. So if she's just your mentor for one year and you can wait it out, I understand that. If it's more of like a long-term thing, <sighs> here's the thing. My concern is that then she now thinks... She's co-signed by a trans person that now she thinks, oh, well, this one trans person I know forgave me and understood me, so I'm fine. And mm. I feel badly sometimes with that, where I'm like, is this person using me as an example of a trans person that says it's fine? Like, my trans friend says it's fine. Like, the way that, like, when my sister went to FSU and their mascot is a seminal a very not good portrayal of a Native American person. And then people would say, well, my Native American friend says it's fine. Mm -hmm. And it might be fine for that one person. I don't know. But it's not fine for you, clearly, as a trans person. So I can super understand why you don't want this person going around thinking, well, everything's fine. Like this trans person thinks I'm fine. So I must be right in some way, or I must my views might not be that bad. In terms of female only spaces, I think that is a dog whistle. You know, it's interesting how many female only spaces are like fine with AFAB non binary people or fine with trans men. So to me, I'm like, hmm, and not trans women, let me say that. But it seems as if your mentor has larger transphobic views than just what she explained to you. And so I do think it's worth, Sitting her down and saying there's actually other things that bothered me. And just like in the future, if you're working with someone who is trans or non-binary, like I want you to understand why this is harmful. It sucks that you are the person that has to do that. It super sucks. But I think in the long run, it would be better for this person to not feel co-signed. Do you know what I mean? hmm
2: yeah, I mean it's really tricky, and and this was definitely a question where I was very much prepared to defer to you because I don't think I'm really in a position to, to give advice to this experience. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say is is the stuff about feeling guilty for lying. You know, I would maybe just try to like release yourself from that guilt as you navigate whether or not you want to have that conversation. You know, life is really tricky. We would love if if things were morally clear and that we could morally be honest and righteous all of the time. But the reality is, is sometimes that's not safe and sometimes that's not feasible. Nothing about the way that you're navigating. This is bad, right? Like there's nothing that you should feel guilty about or feel that the weight of your community is on your shoulders. You're just establishing yourself in this career. You're just finding your way. That is a very complex, tricky conversation. And, it's a complex and tricky situation, you know, as you're figuring out what you want to do, try not to be hard on yourself as you figure that out. I mean, this is a situation that sucks, but it's not your fault that it sucks. (laughs) It is this other person they're the quote unquote one who should feel bad, you know, like I, I would just encourage you not to, to shit on yourself on top of, of dealing with this very complex situation as you figure out what you want to do and then just in a broader sense of this kind of thing you know sometimes with these kinds of decisions it does take time to figure out what we want to do and so i think that you can allow yourself the time and space to see what decision feels right for you and then if you do figure out that you do want to have this conversation with with her i think it might be really helpful to role play that conversation with a friend mm-hmm. so that you're not kind of going in blind or flying off this you know, off the cuff and and really take the time to make sure you know what you want to say and how you want to say it and work with someone that you trust to sort of like when you're in that moment, you can refer back to the role play that you've done.
0: It's hard because in the past, we could just go by how someone treated us. And now Mm -hmm. we have access to their social media and their online persona. And often the online persona is different from who they are to us day to day. And It's particularly strange as a queer person. And I think when I was a woman, like it was different because it was like I met this guy on the street in New York. Well, I met him at the airport and like we exchanged numbers and we were like going to like go on a date. And I Googled him and found his Twitter and it was super misogynistic. But in the past, I would have never been able to see inside his brain. Mm -hmm. And so... Like, I could only go by, like, oh, how charming he was, like, you know, at the airport. Whereas, like, so, right, like, you could only go based on how this person treats you, an individual trans person, and then, unfortunately, you get to see inside their brain, and it is confusing and hurtful, and you feel blindsided, and you feel like, well, why are they nice to me? But it's this thing where sometimes people who are racist or homophobic or transphobic or misogynists are nice to you because they know you. Mm-hmm. But in general, they're not like that in their mind, they might be thinking, oh, well, you're one of the good ones. And that sucks. That sucks. It's also that thing of I, I
2: love you, but I can't support your lifestyle.
0: Totally. Yes. This kind of thing where, yeah, where you're like, oh, you like me. And sometimes you're like, well, maybe I can make them like me so much that they change.
2: Feeling like you have to be the ambassador. The
0: ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's really shitty. And I think it's worth talking to this person about it. I think it's because they know you, they may hear you differently. Like, they might just be tweeting into the ether about a hypothetical. Person, hypothetical situation, hypothetical. Like a lot of times with transphobes, they're mad at like a hypothetical version of trans people that like doesn't exist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like they're like, all these trans people are doing this. And it's like, not really. And they're like, well, they are. And I'm like, name some. You know what I mean? Like I think it's even like with the bathrooms debate, they're like, well, a trans person could go into the, and it's like, yeah, they could. Anybody could. (laughs) Like, so I think like, You're in a unique position where you are someone she knows in real life. But it is... I totally understand. Like, I would feel so betrayed. Like, I totally get it. And it is nice that that kid felt comfortable enough to come to you about it. Because, you know, if it was online, how many other people she knows are seeing that? How many other Mm -hmm. kids are seeing that? Locking down her Twitter doesn't really change her views. So... Man, I don't know. This is a really comfortable, uncomfortable one. I think she does have power over you. But I think if you come at it from a place of like, I'm trying to help you. And like, that might be a better way to approach it. I don't know why she would be touching your back or calling you sweetheart anyway. That's kind of weird and feels gendered. I don't know. I think if you decide
2: to have the conversation, then I think there are some ways to maybe set that conversation up to be more manageable for Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I think, you know, you can take your time to figure out if you want to have that conversation and then don't feel like that you have any responsibility for the situation that you're in. It's just a really shitty situation that is someone else's fault and you're just doing your best to navigate it while also establishing your career. And that is a lot.
0: What if she's like, "How was your weekend?" And you're like, "I transed about doing trans things, I trans <laughs> stuff, just in around town." You know what I mean? I don't know. It's my like, that's like the trolly edge lord in me who would just be like, "Yeah, well, went to the trans film festival with my trans friends." You know? I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's a little funny. If you want a troller, why not?
2: Uh, well, I we hope that that helped at least a, a little bit. It is such a complicated situation, but. We're sending you our support. And if you want to submit an international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com.
0: Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Laura Stassi. So stay tuned.
2: back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough
0: Questions. This week on the show, our guest is Laura Stassi, the creator and host of the podcast Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. She explores issues and relays true stories about seeking, finding, and keeping love after 50. Hello, Laura.
4: Hello. My goodness. So much energy. I love it.
0: (laughs) says that. I'm trying to keep up with Allison.
2: (laughs) So this will come as as no surprise to our listeners. I'm a big fan of yours. I love your podcast. I think that this exploration of like dating, but dating at a different life stage than what is normally talked about is so intriguing. And in some ways, it's it's different than dating when you're younger. But in so many ways, I find it to be the same. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel that way?
4: Well, it's interesting because I represent a lot of people my age, which is we never really dated when we were younger. I mean, I got mm-hmm. married right out of college to somebody I started dating. You know, I didn't hit my freshman year in college and then we broke up and then dated again my senior year. And I had known this boy. (laughs) We actually grew up together. We had been in the same school since fifth grade. So, I mean, I had a different high school boyfriend, but you have to remember the first time I dated, telephone answering machines weren't even a thing, (laughs) let alone, you know, online and all that. So I guess it's different, or I guess it's the same. I mean, I really have very little experience to compare it to.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us your story, like how you started the podcast, but also why and what you, what stage you're at?
4: So I'm a longtime writer, actually. And I was married for almost 30 years before I got a divorce. And I had no idea what it was like to date, really. And not that I needed to have a partner, but I thought it might be nice to eventually have a partner. And so because I had been a writer, I thought I need to do an exploration of this. Uh, So I started talking to people. And my first, I guess, line of questioning was, how did you meet the person you're now with for people who got together after the age of 50? But then that did a sort of Evolve into other questions like, or other issues like, not only how do you meet people, but how do you blend two very full lives once you find someone that you do want to connect with? I guess one thing that is very different about dating when you're older, as opposed to dating when you're younger, is presumably we've had a full life with rich experiences, not necessarily financially rich, but that, you know, a lot of us have kids. We've had serious relationships in our past. We have financial things that we've accumulated, but also financial obligations that have either grown heavier with time or grown more robust with time. And how do you, how do you blend that and live, you know, happily ever after? And if you meet somebody, do you want to marry them or do you want to just be in a committed relationship? So asking a lot of questions of people and then my NPR member station, WAMU, I found out they were having a sort of a podcast incubation contest. They were looking for creative ideas that they could turn into podcasts. Now, I have to tell you, this was back in 2018. I barely knew what a podcast was, like a lot of older people. So I thought, okay, well, this will be interesting. Um, i did a lot of drama in high school and junior high. So I thought, well, maybe this is a way to tell journalistic stories, but, you know, have a chance to sort of perform or, you know, that whole aspect of it. So anyway, I applied to this program. There were like over 540 creative projects that applied. Mine was one of five that was chosen. Wow! Yeah, it was great. (laughs) I was the oldest one. (laughs) But um, thanks to a generous donor, we each got a stipend, a $2,500 stipend. And they told us exactly what kind of equipment to buy and how to use it. And then how to put a pilot episode together. And then at the end of this program... We presumably had all the equipment and skills we needed if we wanted to continue to do it on our own. But fortunately, WAMU picked me up for a first season of 10 episodes. And so that's how that happened.
0: How did you decide what topics you wanted to cover?
4: Well, it was totally based on what I was interested in. I mean, so, okay, so when I got married, I was almost 23, as was my now ex husband. I hadn't had a lot of experience. My parents have been married forever. I'm one of six kids, but okay, once you have kids, do, do couples really have sex ever again? I mean, I couldn't believe. So can older people, is it actually possible? I mean, is it physically possible to have sex with an aging body? Uh, so I wanted to know about that. I wanted to know, my big question was, and still continues to be, how do you meet people? Because I would like to think it's not all based on technology. Although it is becoming, as you all probably know, like the number one way couples of all ages and of all preferences, that's how they're meeting. And so, but it just, it feels like such a, has either one of you ever been online?
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I did online dating, but then like the last two people that I was in a serious relationship with, I I met them in real life. One I met at a comedy show and one was someone I met when I was in one of their music videos, my current partner. So I've had relationships from online, but only short-lived ones.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think everybody wants to meet someone in real life, but it gets to the point where... How do you meet someone in real life, especially now I'm still working, but I don't go into an office every day. So when you're older, you might not necessarily be going, you know, you might not be part of the full-time workforce.
0: And you got to look for wedding rings.
4: <laughs> oh, I always look for wedding rings. Me that too. doesn't tell you everything though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would say a lot of my serious relationships have come from online. So I am like oh. a huge proponent of it. Uh, my current relationship, we met on Hinge. My ex-fiance we met on hinge I had a bumble relationship a match.com relationship like I I think there's something really wonderful about meeting online because it the intentionality is there from the beginning where I feel like you're able to be like this is for a romantic relationship here are the things that I'm looking for and if that's not what you're looking for then good day Whereas like Mm -hmm. if you meet someone at a bar to be like, so are you looking to get married in the next year, year or two? That's like more (laughs) aggressive.
4: (laughs) But you know, that's interesting because I think a lot of people my age are discovering, you know, there's a thing called gray divorce and it's the divorce rate for people 50 and older in long-term marriages has increased. Whereas for other people, it's like stayed flat or declined. And there's a sense that, particularly men coming out of long-term marriages, just want to play. What's the easiest way to play? You go online because it's like all oh, this opportunity right there in front of your face mm-hmm. where they weren't used to before. So I find it interesting that you're saying online is for people who are interested in serious relationships because I think for a lot of people my age, it's more for opportunity. Mm-hmm. How am I going to meet a bunch of other people single people they might not want to be in a committed relationship but they are or maybe they're not even available I mean you do hear are there horror stories for younger people too about people who aren't actually available being online
0: oh absolutely okay absolutely you look for a ring or you look for the tan where a ring might go
4: Oh, a tan.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just here with the hot tips (laughs) because the amount of times in my 20s where I would meet this, the other thing is that men your age are sometimes looking for women, which I was at the time in their 20s, 20s and 30s. So I would in that age bracket was like, I'm just mature. There's nothing wrong with this, blah, blah, blah. But I, the amount of times I, in my 20s, I had to Google, some guy hit on me at a bar, I had to Google, what finger does wedding ring go on?
4: Oh, my gosh. Wow.
0: And I could never remember. Left? Is it left? <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Killing it.
4: But, you know, it's interesting. I just finished up. It's an episode that's airing in a couple of weeks on age differences. Mm-hmm. I personally don't have a problem with it in that I don't want to go too far younger or too far older. But, you know, that's me. You do you. But I don't understand. Some people get so, I guess, uncomfortable and offended by it. But I did talk with a matchmaker and she said, you know, a lot of older women also want younger. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we think stereotypically. We think older means not as healthy and not as energetic and younger means more active, more open-minded sometimes even. And it's just, it's really person dependent, I think.
0: I think the idea is that the older people are like, well, but if the younger people take everyone our age, who are we, you know, there's going to be less people my age for me.
4: Yeah. Yeah. At the other hand, if that person wants somebody significantly different in age, do you really want them? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you I, do or yeah? No, 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 no. 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 I, mean,
0: I don't know. I'm planning on becoming some sort of non-binary cougar.
4: So I'm looking oh. forward to that in my life. <laughs> okay. So can I ask you a question or is that not appropriate? No, go for it. Okay. So when you say a non-binary cougar, does that mean that you're interested in men and women older than you? I mean, you're going to want them younger than you when you reach a certain age?
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I date, I'm bi, so I date people of all genders. But, you know, some it's interesting. As I've gone into my 30s, I have more of an appreciation for women in their 40s and 50s. My partner and I have a cabin in the woods and there's a woman who is like the head of, she's like the head of, she's a welcome committee and she's like in her 50s and she came to our house to like, whatever. Welcome us to the neighborhood. Uh And when she left, both me and my partner were like, we're in love with her. Like, (laughs) (laughs) We're in love with her. And that's like a fun thing to get to uh, your 30s and realize, you know, that there's this whole other demographic that is like actually awesome. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like I was more invisible when I was married and in my 40s, let's say, Interesting. than now even that I'm older. And I don't know if I just don't care as much anymore or if... Something happened when I got divorced that I became more seen. I mean, I don't know. That's something I would have to ask a shrink.
0: Back on the
2: market. (laughs) Well, you're probably putting out a different vibe, you know, like you have, you're probably putting out that you're approachable in a way that maybe when you were married, you didn't allow out. (laughs)
4: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, and it might also have been because I was not in a happy relationship too, right. because sometimes I think, I don't know, Does ev- here's a question I want to know. Does everybody, even people who are in healthy relationships, do you still kind of hide your light under a barrel a little bit? You know, that expression, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I feel like I was really hiding my light mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because... I was in a relationship or I was in a not great relationship.
0: I think not great relationship. Okay, I'll take your address. No, Allison knows more than me.
2: <laughs> I don't know. But like my, my feelings is sort of like, I think I used to think that like when you were in a relationship, that meant you couldn't flirt with anybody else. That like you had to have these like, very strict boundaries and that the way that you interacted with your partner was different than the way that you interacted with other people. And I don't think that anymore. Like, I think I flirt with my friends. Mm -hmm. I flirt with like strangers. I like, I think flirt has become less charged of a concept to me. And it's more just like hitting it off with somebody and like having chemistry with them, but then not meaning that that means anything other than that.
4: Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. That makes sense that makes sense.
2: And then it energizes you. And then you can bring that energy home to your partner. And like, you can just feel more seen. And like, you have more connections with more people, which like, gives you energy and it it, like it fills you up in a way I feel like
0: that your life isn't over. And like that, you're you know, like, you don't I think there's this mentality, even like Allison and I are in our early 30s. And I think there's even this mentality of like entering your 30s and being like, well, you're basically dead. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends are in their 40s and they've never been hotter. And like, (laughs) it's this really weird thing in your 20s. We We're like, 30s, oh, you're basically dead. But I'm like having a great time. And like, I think, you know, my friend in her 40s is married and they opened their relationship and she's like showing me who she's Mm -hmm. hooking up with. And I'm like, good for you, bitch. You are so hot. It's just like this really cool and interesting thing. So even like seeing that in your 50s, that's like when you were saying... I don't even know if people my age can have sex. Like, how did, how did you, what did you come away learning from that? You know,
4: we can, we (laughs) are. (laughs) So, you know, one thing I just, I mean, I knew that, uh, you know, but. One thing I did learn, this is interesting because I just learned this like last year. There's a, a man named Michael Castleman and he's a sex journalist. And he wrote a book, Sizzling Sex for Life, how to, you know, how to have like mind blowing sex at any age or something, something along those lines. But I didn't realize that men can have orgasms mm-hmm. without having an erection.
2: How did oh, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I know that because I listened to that episode.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah. So you do hear a lot of couples, older people who stop having sex, whether they're in. OK, now I have to say, I don't know about gay relationships. I know straight relationships. There's a lot. Yeah. People who stop having sex and whether they're longtime married or, you know, longtime coupled. And I think a lot of it is. There, there can be pain involved with sex mm-hmm. and a woman doesn't know, you know, how to treat that or mm-hmm. sometimes it's not treatable. But a lot of men feel like if they can't get an erection, then they're not even going to attempt any kind of sexual intimacy. And so not only are they not having sex, they're no longer touching each other yeah. or kissing. And that just makes me very sad. I mean, I think it's, it, as long as both people are okay with it, you know, that's fine. But that just makes me so sad to think that there are so many couples out there with such an important aspect for at least one of them missing in their lives and they're not doing anything about it. So...
2: I would love to know what your dating journey has been like through making this show and, <laughs> and how it's affected your
4: personal life. Uh, well, okay. I realize I have been hiding behind this podcast, totally hiding behind it, meaning okay, I don't have time to get online. I, I've tried online. I have never had a, a serious relationship with online dating. But it's like, if I get online, then I don't know, you know, somebody's going to either want to go out with me just because I have a podcast, or they're going to avoid me because I have a podcast when a lot of times that's not even true. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it's funny because and I, I Talked with a communications expert uh, a couple of days ago, and I realized I tend to size people up in a bad way, meaning I see a stranger and instead of getting to, know, you know, thinking, let me go strike up a conversation with no other, not, no agenda other than here's a person, let me go talk to them. I like, okay, is that person date material or are they podcast material? And I do all these calculations in my head and it's like, you know what? They don't have to be either one. So all that to say, I have had a lot of dates. I have not had a long-term serious relationship.
0: Where did you meet them?
4: Mostly online. I had a couple of blind dates. And then I had a friend of a friend connect me. The blind dates were like almost totally blind. Like you're single, he's single. Let's put you two together as opposed to, a friend of a friend was like, I think you all might, you know, might mesh, but I don't know. Uh, so my son recently got married. He's 31 and he and his wife met on Bumble and he's like, just get online and, you know, stay online. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, my dog just died. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm all so over the place. Sorry. Yeah. She was only, she would have been eight at the end of March, but oh, I no. got her. Yeah. I got her when my ex-husband and I had just separated and she had been with me through everything. And I, I realized I was using her as an excuse too. I can't stay out late. I got to go home and walk the dog, you know? And she also was very, she hated most men. Oh. So she was overly protective. <laughs> yeah. So my journey. It has been more like a, I don't know, like a, what's a, (laughs) you have a a catalog and the pictures, you think it's going to be so wonderful, but then you get there and you're like, "Eh," not when it's been advertised. So, but I want to be in a committed relationship. I don't know if that means marriage, but I do, I would like to be in a committed relationship.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think when you, when your work reflects your personal life, you know, I'm about to, I'm starting work on writing a book about marriage and It brings up all these things for you. It's like you're also it's hard to separate your personal life from from the project. And I think you're right that like it can be kind of this barrier where you are maybe in this investigator role instead of like living your life.
4: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because. Sometimes I'm really glad I stayed married for as long as I did, because I think if you want to have children, there becomes this, I think there's a lot of anxiety about coupling up, especially if you're a woman who wants to bear children, because time is limited. I mean, it gets much more difficult. It's possible when we're older than, you know, mid thirties, mid to late thirties, but it gets much more difficult from a you know, from a biological standpoint and also maybe more expensive too. I mean, it's not just as simple. And so maybe, I i don't know, on, on the one hand, I don't feel any kind of need other than it would be nice to have another warm body that I mm-hmm. could take to a wedding or, you know, go to see a show with or spend the night as opposed to, nope, just me.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I don't need somebody. I, thankfully, to have kids with. And I don't need somebody to, you know, although it'd be nice to split the mortgage with somebody. I mean, my (laughs) gosh.
0: Well, life is built. It's so funny how much the world is built around being a a couple. Oh. And how like, again, like splitting the mortgage or going to see a show or whatever, like it's so built around being in a twosome. And I wonder how fair that is, you know, in general.
4: You know, it's funny you say that because right after I split up, I thought, okay, I I was part of this investigating. I thought, what's it like to be single? I have no idea because, you know, I had never been single. So I got Rebecca Tracer's book, All the Single Ladies. Mm -hmm. Have you all heard about that book? I saw the title. I was like, oh, all the single ladies. It said something like how the rise of unmarried women. I was like, this is going to be my guide for how to be single. No, (laughs) they were all, most of the women were coupled. They weren't married, but that doesn't mean they didn't have romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I think people, even the word single, people don't understand you could be single. That doesn't mean you're not a twosome. I like twosome. I use the word couple and uncoupled, and a lot of people have been like, uh, "It sounds like you're on a train."
0: <laughs>
2: so
4: I like twosome as a pair or a romantic pair.
0: Yeah, I mean it's you know I I was in a writer's room once and we were talking about something called single and dead single because this guy in the room was like, "No, I am dead single." He was like, people talk about being single and they're like, I'm single, but they still have someone that they're seeing or they still have people that they're hooking up with or they have a roster, which is like, you know, people that they hook up with or go on dates with or whatever. And he was like, no, I'm dead single. I'm not even talking to anyone. And I was like, oh, that's such an important distinction.
4: It is. It's so important. And I I don't know the statistics for younger couples, but more and more older couples are choosing not to, you know, embrace whether it's marriage, they might get married, but they might not live together Mm. or they might live together and not be married. I mean, there's just so many more. We're like redefining what it means to be in a committed partnership and partnership, committed partnership does not necessarily mean married and living together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so when you hear single, I mean, and even the statistics, the Census Bureau statistics, single means you're not married. It doesn't mean you're not partnered. Mm
1: -hmm. It doesn't
4: mean you're dead single. (laughs) I like that, except for the word dead. I know.
0: I know. I had never heard it before. and And I don't know if that's a real thing or if that's just something this person came up with, but.
4: I'm going to write that down. Hold on just a second.
0: (laughs) I was like, wow, that's really true. Yeah.
2: I'm wondering, like through the process of making, you know, multiple seasons of this show, like what have been some of your most valuable takeaways from your different interviews and all the people you've talked to?
4: So I think it's wonderful. Yes, women have been overlooked for so long, especially older women. However, I kind of feel sorry for older guys. I do. So statistically, there are fewer, there are fewer men than women overall. Now I'm just talking 50 and older. I don't uh-huh. know about younger groups. But 50 and older, there are statistically fewer men, whether they're married or not married. But when you look at unmarried single men as opposed, opposed to unmarried single women. I mean the ratio is just totally lopsided. And so people say things like, oh that's because men can't be by themselves or, you know, if they're alive that means they've got to have a partner and then if they are looking for a younger woman it's the whole, oh I want a nurse and yeah. he, you know, she wants a purse. And I think my my biggest I guess one of my biggest takeaways, I wouldn't call it my biggest takeaway, is that there are so many stereotype busters. Busters meaning the myths, it's not true. I have met men who are single, who've been single for a long time, who are good on their own. They're like, they're like women who say, yeah, it'd be nice to have a partner, but I don't want to just have anybody. Mm-hmm. So I think I think if there were a way to and even, you know, I have a book coming out in September and my agent really wanted me to kind of skew it toward like women, like hey women, yay women. And I am, hey, women, yay, women. But I'm like, I don't want to cut off men who also have very serious questions about what it's like to be single as you get older. Mm -hmm. So
0: what are the questions when you're on a date, like a first date? What what are the questions that you ask that maybe younger people wouldn't?
4: Oh, my God. Well, grandkids. (laughs) 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 You know what? It's interesting because... I think part of the problem about dating older is that we aren't a lot of us aren't as just relaxed about it as younger people might be. Like we all seem to have sort of checklists or let me see if you fit my must haves as a partner in old age and you know if you if you're retired and you're only living on social security like you haven't had investments I don't even want to talk to you. You know that kind of thing whereas and I'm not saying I do this. And can I say, I had, let's see, it's 2023, right? It's March. I haven't had a date in 2023.
0: It's 2022. It's
4: 2022. Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe this is, I had three dates in 2021. Yeah. Three, a total of three. That's it.
2: I want to take over your dating life.
4: Oh, like take me under your wing? Yeah. But you know, it's funny because you talk about, I mean, I don't understand, like, don't you all know, like, don't you have uncles or fathers or, or, you know, older, I really think there's a new show coming out called Date My Mom or Date My Dad or something. I'm thinking I would love that. But anyway, I think the important thing is, and I need to do this, is meet people, not even necessarily go out with them, but just meet people with the idea of here's an interesting stranger let me just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Let me just get to know somebody else, which and in my defense, it's been very difficult during the pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And we
4: still really kind of are in a pandemic. I mean, I still, I still wear a mask in the grocery store. So, right. but yeah. So, okay. You guys, you're motivating me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also interesting, like when you're much older, like my grandmother was allegedly in her late eighties. We don't know. She lied all the time, but My grandfather passed away and she was trying to date. And like she told me, I went on a date with this guy. He wore shorts. He brought me to a Red Lobster. I'm over it. Like she was like, no, (laughs) or she was very classy woman. Or so then she started hanging out with this guy named Buddy and she would not admit that it was her boyfriend and she would hang out with him and he came to Thanksgiving and she still wouldn't say that that was her boyfriend, but they were like coupled up and it's interesting o- older i was like how did you meet him and she was like our we were couple friends like his wife passed away uh, and my husband passed away but our you know we knew each other because we were f- friends as a couple and i'm and like i'm like that's so interesting that this is yeah. you know this is like the way that you just kind of like reshuffle like people die and then you reshuffle
4: <laughs> you know sometimes i do think it's easier for you know i I'm talking about 50, the podcast is for people 50 and older, Mm -hmm. but it feels like around 70, maybe 75. People who are that age now, there's like a different thought about it. It's like some people are, okay, I'm, you know, I took care of my husband. He died. I'm done. But some people are like, he died. Okay, who else is out there? Because I've been a part of my you know, I've never known anything other than mm-hmm. being a couple. But my grandmother, my grandfather died. Oh gosh, I was a kid. I can't I can't even remember how like maybe five. And my grandmother died when I was twenty. So she had all those years where she was just she was this little Sicilian woman. And we used to say, we used to tease her, she still wore her wedding ring. Right. You're we like, Nana, don't you want a boyfriend? She's like, I'm already a married. <laughs> like, okay, he's dead. Yeah,
0: it's really different.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I remember I was like, why don't you, you know, recouple up or whatever? And May May, my grandmother was like, I don't need anyone in my house.
4: And I was oh, like, oh, yeah.
0: Interesting.
4: My
2: grandma and grandpa were together for, you know, over 65 years. And then my grandma was in poor health for like the last year or two of her life. And my grandpa really stepped up and took care of her. And then when she passed, he like pretty quickly got into another really serious relationship <laughs> with a woman who is very similar to my grandma. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting. And so I'm wondering, like, do you see people tend to gravitate, you know, when they've had these long term marriages tend to gravitate towards what they know or like go the opposite? <laughs>
4: Yeah, so I can't make any kind of general statement. I will tell you there are some very tricky things about dating a widow or a widower
1: mm-hmm.
4: when they're young. I've interviewed a few couples or a few people who got, you know, widowed in their 60s and even in their late 50s, which is very young. I know it's it's funny because I never had any perspective on that till I got to be that age. I was like, "Oh my gosh, they already died." And here's a total general st- statement, but I feel like I have gone out with two widowers. (laughs) I feel like they had very happy marriages. They were missing their wives and they had comfortable homes. They were already furnished. They were just looking for a purse, a woman to just, here you go, plop you into my life. And now my life is back to normal again. Mm
1: -hmm. And
4: again, that's probably not totally fair to them or not talking about what a wonderful person, of course I am. But it just seems like if, you know, they feel like life has dealt them an unfair blow, you know, especially men whose wives out, you know, die early because women are supposed to outlive men.
0: Yeah, women are supposed to outlive men. And then there's this like, you know, sort of weaponized incompetence. If my grandfather had outlived my grandmother, I don't know that he knew how to cook. (laughs)
4: And there are plenty of men who don't, but like I met a man who, and he said, this man was very interesting because he was in his mid seventies when his second wife died, but his first wife, he had gotten a divorce when he was like in the early 1970s and he had gotten custody of of four kids. So, which was totally unheard of at that time. So he was like, you know, I know how to cook, I know how to clean, I know how to sew. It wasn't like, you know, he said, so like, you know, mending his socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I know. But he said it wasn't like I needed somebody to take care of me. He goes, I just wanted, you know, another wife. And my golly, he found one. He he was so. He's an engineer. He was so precise about it. Like he figured out how to use the online sites. He like did the zip code searches. Then he went to Florida and bought a home and changed the zip code searches to the Florida zip codes. And he found somebody much younger. I mean, she was in her early 60s, but he was 75. So, (laughs) you know, there comes a time when age differences can seem much older.
0: Yeah. No, no. I mean, my parents are 10 years apart and my huh? mom is definite. She's a second wife. And she definitely is like, oh, shit, like I'm going to have to take care of this fucking old man at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, cheers. Good luck to you.
4: There's the piece in The New Yorker by Donald Hall. He was like some famous poet. I can't remember what it's talk But that's a beautiful story. He was in his 40s when he fell in love with one of his students when she was in her early 20s. And he was like, No, don't marry me because I don't want you to take care of me. And she's like, I love you anyway, blah, blah, blah. They were married for 20 years. And guess what? She died.
0: She died? Yeah.
4: She died. Jesus
0: Christ.
4: It, it's a beautiful piece. Look it up. It's, between, it's something between solitude and loneliness or between loneliness and solitude. I can't remember how it goes. But he, after that, was totally by himself until he died at the age of 85. Wow. Wow. So, you know, stereotypes are there for a reason because some people do fit them, but some people don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, best laid plans, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. You just
2: never know what's going to
4: happen. Is your stepmother close in age to you?
0: No, no, no. This is my mom who was, she's my dad's second. My dad also got custody of his son in the seventies, which is wild. But oh, wow. Um. no, so my mom, my, me and my brother are 18 years apart. And then oh. my mom and my brother are 17 years apart, which I always feel <laughs> intriguing.
4: I don't know why I'm laughing, but oh my gosh.
0: You know, and it's, It's she's young. She's younger than my dad. But my dad then had me and my sister with my mom is the second wife. Yeah. But it is like I I do often think because I had an ex-boyfriend who his parents split up when he was quite young and the father immediately got with someone else and the mom remained kept the dad's last name, kept the ring and never dated again. Wow. And I think about that with my parents, like this is knock on wood or whatever, but I'm like, if my if my mom died, my dad would have a new girlfriend in like a week. And if my, <laughs> and if my dad died, I don't know that what my mom would, you know, like, and I don't mean to yeah. speak for them, but I do, I do think about that, which like good, because I don't want to take care of him.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of us can say, I mean, especially sometimes when marriages end, it's not like both people are necessarily starting from scratch when it comes to dating, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Like oh, like ads, they
0: have people in the wings?
4: Yeah, waiting in the wings. I call it waiting in the wings. Sometimes there are people waiting in wings. Sometimes they're standing right center stage, waiting in their <laughs> hands. But, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I tend to, here's one big thing I've learned. You asked me this. I'm, I'm circling back to the question because I used to think, okay, unless there's something seriously wrong, you know, there's abuse or, you know, ish drug issues or mental illness, then why not stick it out? Stay married, you know, especially if you have kids together. And the thing I've learned is why? (laughs) Oh, totally. Why, why, quote unquote, stick it out? If, I mean, it'd be nice. It, it's a beautiful thing when two people can have a long, happy relationship together or and things get bumpy and they work through their issues and they're both happy and fulfilled. But if it's not going to happen, why trudge through life partnered? Because you think that's what you're supposed to do.
0: I love when people get divorced at 95. Nothing makes me happier than, I know it's weird, but like when someone, I'm like, how much have you had enough? You know what I mean? My mom's a divorce attorney. So when it's like they got divorced at 95, I'm like sick.
4: Good for you. Oh, I would love to, I think I need to talk to her because there's probably some great stories, but yeah, there was something on Twitter. You guys might've seen it, um, about this woman had a picture of her hand and she said, you know, it's 73, I never thought I would be on my own. And then I never thought I would find love again. And she had just gotten engaged and everybody was like, oh, this poor sweet woman lost her husband and she found love. She's like, so I, I called her and talked to her. She goes, uh, nope, I got divorced. I was so sick of it. <laughs> yeah, And then she said, and I went online and found another boyfriend. I'm like, okay, great.
2: We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. we're back. How have people's families reacted to older, you know, parents starting to date again? Like, do you find that that children are tend to be encouraging of it? Are they like resistant of it? I imagine that adds a complication to it all.
4: Yeah, I really think it depends. I mean, I know I've held back a little bit because of my kids. I feel like I personally feel like I don't want to introduce them to somebody until I know they're going to be in my life for a long time both of the kids have told me, don't use us as your excuse. You know, (laughs) if you like somebody and they're going to be part of your life, even if it's for a month, you know, and if you feel compelled to introduce us, you know, we might not want to go on a trip with them, but yeah, we'll go out to dinner or something. But some people are really, I mean, it's, it can be a very, very tricky thing, especially if you do try to blend those families quickly Mm -hmm. or without a lot of thought, like, you know, people in their fifties still can have kids at home and so could their partner. And then you're bringing teenagers together that are both the same age. That can be awkward. And then I interviewed a woman who started dating the father of one of her son's best friends. Now he was divorced. They were both divorced, but it was still so awkward for her kid. I mean, he was just like, mom, you know, and they ended up breaking up too, which also then it's like, oh, you know, how much hassle do you want to actually, you know, cause you do want to do what's best for your kids, but you don't want to think, but you're, you know, you don't want to think your kids are holding you back, but you also want to be cognizant of their feelings, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of giggled when you said, you know, you're the 17 year age difference between your, your mom and your brother. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, that's, t- that's difficult.
0: Yeah. And I think he was like 12 when they started dating and I are 11, maybe. And he was happy to have a new mom. But as he became mm. into his teens, he was like, you're not my mom.
4: Yeah. You
0: know, and then it's also the thing where then she had me and my sister and he was like, well, what about, you know, like he was happy to have siblings, but he was also like, oh, now you have biological children and our relationship has changed.
4: Yeah. And and I understand when kids, it's not like, oh, you're being greedy, but you know, it's difficult because you've, you know, let's say there's a man and a woman and they've built up this life and their kids are used to a certain lifestyle. And then all of a sudden there's another heir to potentially share things with. I mean, that's really tricky. Now my ex-husband has had at least two serious relationships since our divorce, but I don't think he, they've all been age appropriate,
1: mm-hmm.
4: but they've had, they've had kids. And I know that's kind of awkward sometimes, you know, they're going on like these quote unquote family trips. And it's like her kids and his kid, which are my kids. But they basically told me stay out of it. It's not your business. We'll (laughs) deal with it. I'm like, oh, I can't even imagine having to. I just, that doesn't sound like any fun. But maybe people are more mature than I am. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Do you like all hang out? Like if it's like your son's birthday and you have to go and like your husband's there with the new girlfriend?
4: So it's funny you should say that because uh, my son got married. Mm. And so we had the rehearsal dinner. And so my son lives in 90 miles away Mm -hmm. in a different town. And so that's where the rehearsal dinner was going to be. And he wanted to have like a they have these things now called welcome parties where it's like basically an open bar and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. my thought was we decided we were going to have the rehearsal dinner just for the wedding party and significant others and then open it up and have everybody come for drink and nibbles. Right. And so my feeling was the girlfriend can come to the, the welcome party. Mm -hmm. Why does the girlfriend have to come to the rehearsal dinner where I am co-hosting with my ex-husband because we, and we shared costs. And on the one hand, I mean, I was really upset about it, to tell you the truth. And I think I shouldn't have been.
0: Yeah. It's so funny how it still, like, lingers. Like, when my brother got married, his mom sent my dad flowers to be like, our kid is
4: getting married. And my mom <laughs> put them right in the trash. Well. Yeah. And it's not, and I do think it might be that kid angle because I wasn't upset because I missed, you know, I wish I was with my husband. No. And she met him long after we had been divorced. So it wasn't, that wasn't it. I think it was basically, he's my kid,
1: mm-hmm. my
4: kid and my ex husband's kid. He's not your kid. And I do think what set me off is then my ex husband asked me, he said, you know, such and such wants to know what color dress you're wearing to the wedding. So we don't, there, so there's no confusion. <laughs> I was like, tell her it's none of her goddamn business <laughs> what color dress I'm wearing. She can wear whatever she wants to wear. I'm wearing whatever I want to wear. I'm the mother of the groom, not you. So
0: yeah, I came from the total other side where my mom was like, she didn't raise him. Don't talk. You know what I mean? And I was like, it was very, the whole situation was so weird and awkward
4: yeah it's like why does she what I mean, and I know she was just trying to be nice, I guess, but it's like does she think that there's a role for her in this wedding? Ah, I mean, yeah. I just... she came but, yeah. my
0: mom my dad's ex-wife came and was talking to me and my sister and trying to be like so nice to like meet you, but also like trying to get to know us and my mom was like, nope <laughs> <laughs> do not talk to my kids
3: <laughs> it was, I, know. Like, I was
0: like Mom, they were married for like three years in the 70s and you've been with my dad for like 30 years. Don't you think maybe you've won? Yeah. And she was like, no.
4: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I do think it's the kid thing. I really do because I feel like my ex-husband has a better relationship with our kids since we split up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they're great kids. I mean, kids, 31 and 27. Right. But part of the reason they are really unique and wonderful kids it's not like it was all him.
2: She she pointed at herself, listeners.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking all the credit. However, I do sometimes think there might be a tendency of new girlfriends to be, oh my God, my man is so great because look how great his kids are. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me want to just, you have no idea what <laughs> I did for those kids.
0: That's like my mom, my mom saw my dad at a baseball game with his son and was like, oh my God, he's a dad. And it was, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Tricks.
4: So I'm not wrong, right? No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. So I've met her a few times now. She seems like a very nice person. I like that she likes my kids, although, you know, they're independent people, but who wouldn't like my kids? But I just want... (laughs) I just want everybody to know that they are wonderful, at least half because of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all because of me, but yeah. Anyway, so. I love it. Okay, that's my rant.
0: No, I love <laughs> it.
2: Before we move on to the game show, what are some changes you're going to make to be more proactive with dating after this conversation?
4: Thank you for asking. Well, this was a vow I made that I this just reinforce it. I'm going to be more bold with meeting people. Even if I have a mask on, (laughs) I am going to get online and I'm going to stay online. Okay. So tell me what your thoughts are. Are paid sites better than free sites?
2: I don't know for your age bracket, but I I think it's always worth paying for the free app. So like Hinge will have like a premium and I think it's always worth paying for whatever the premium version is because it makes it easier to find your matches and to talk to more people. And there's not these stupid. I agree. Like quotas. Okay. And ter- you know, so I would always upgrade to the paid version, but I don't know if like if a paid app to start with is always better, if that makes sense.
4: Okay and then apps versus online. I was going to I was going to get on my computer. I can't read on a phone, but I will make it.
0: <laughs> you got to get what my parents do which is it, the font is so big. Yeah.
4: Oh.
2: My parents font's pretty big. <laughs> I I don't think the site matters so much as as just making sure that your profile is very true to who you are and what you're looking for. And then just being really picky with who you even bother to engage with so that you don't burn out.
4: Oh, picky as opposed to just go out with everybody.
2: Right. Because that's how you burn yourself out. Because then you'll be like, oh, I've had three terrible dates. I'm not going to do this anymore versus like making sure you always have like a FaceTime or call with someone before even bothering to meet them so that when you do mm. put in the effort of going out with somebody, there's a higher likelihood it will go well.
0: Allison would like nothing more than to do your <laughs> profile for you to <laughs> match you with people. this is like her. This fuels her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is my lifeblood.
4: <laughs> okay. I really feel like this could be a podcast episode, like for Dating While Gray. And plus, I wouldn't mind coming to California. You're in California, yes? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask my producer.
0: (laughs) Literally, Allison, I swear, this is like, she got our producer, like, Hinge Premium for her birthday or something. Like, Allison is, this is like what Allison lives for.
4: Oh, Allison. That's wonderful. You know, my nephew is getting married and uh, they met on Hinge.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the reality of the world is like you're the people you meet in real life is pretty insular and small. And so just like to open yourself up to it, it, it's about taking it offline quickly, but at mm, least yeah. meeting them that way, because you have you wouldn't meet them otherwise.
4: Right. But you're assuming that I'm going to have like this wealth of people to choose from, which I find interesting because
2: you're a babe. Is yeah. that a, am I allowed to say that? I mean, you, you're doing
0: amazing. <laughs> you're a hot commodity.
2: Okay. So I'm not worried.
0: <laughs> okay. Listen, you're no Suzanne from the welcome party, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I hope Suzanne, she follows me on Instagram. I hope she doesn't oh. listen to this. But if she does, Suzanne, I'm available and interested.
4: <laughs> oh, hello, Suzanne. Uh, and when Suzanne becomes 50, she can tell me all about it.
0: No, I think she is. <laughs> I think she, oh. she's, I think Mal said, my partner said she's a boomer and I was like, wow, I don't even care.
4: <sighs> Wait a minute. I heard a big butt in there. She's a boomer, but you don't care. <laughs> she's a boomer and you don't care.
0: And I don't care. Yeah, she's, <laughs> a, she's also married. We have a lot of obstacles to overcome, but I do think me and Suzanne will end up together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I
2: love it. Uh, okay, we have to play this game show because it's the rules of okay. the okay. podcast, <laughs> even though I would rather right. talk okay. to you about this for hours. Okay, so this game show is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have, and then you tell me what you would do in that scenario. Okay. Okay. It's a little strange. <laughs> okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of seven years tells you they have to go on a business trip for two weeks and won't have any service. When they return, they confess they were actually taking part in a Japanese dating show where whoever makes the most people fall in love with them gets $500,000. They won, but had to make out with seven different people and dry hump three different people. Would you stay with this now very rich cheater? How much money did they make? Half a million. Why couldn't they tell me? Because they were embarrassed. They thought maybe they would go do this and get kicked off right away. They, you know, they wanted to surprise you with their with their winnings.
4: Here's the thing. He earned it during the course of our marriage. Half of it's mine. No, I would not stay with the cheater, but I would get half of it.
0: Ooh the type of thinking we appreciate here at Just Between <laughs> yeah. Us. That might not. Well, but what if you, it was
2: just your partner of seven years. What if you're not married to them?
4: Okay. What's the old uh, palimony thing? Palimony. Seven years.
2: Seven years. You get palimony. Yeah. So you would just try to take the money. Absolutely.
4: I would get what's coming. To I would get what I'm, I hate the word entitled because entitled makes it sound like you're not deserving of it. I would get half of that money and leave him.
2: And then would you sign up to go try to do the show?
0: Cause that's a pretty big cash winning.
4: I don't like the idea of dry humping strangers. (laughs) Got it. You know,
0: there's they're doing um Elder Bachelor. They're doing like the the bachelor for older. Oh my God, you should go on that.
4: Well, so it's so funny you say that because I had a team meeting this morning and I it it sort of has disappeared. So I'm like, I want to talk to them. But they originally said for people 65 and older, I'm only 61. And I'm like, I really want to find out why they decided to just that age cut off. And mm-hmm. then I do want to talk about, I would love to do an episode of that for the podcast. So
0: you should be the bachelorette.
4: I'd have to wait for th- four years.
2: No, we're going to find you someone before that. I'm on a mission. Yeah, okay. Okay. You. Okay.
4: <laughs> I like that attitude. Okay. I like that attitude.
2: <laughs> okay. Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, seven, hates to share with their younger sibling, age five. They want it to be very clear what toys are theirs. In order to show them that this isn't the right approach to life, you dye all of your seven-year-old's toys (laughs) bright orange, which is their least favorite color, so it's clear what toys are theirs. They now hate all of their toys and have to ask their younger sibling to share theirs with them Because seeing bright orange makes them want to throw up. Are you a terrible parent?
4: Okay. You're talking to somebody who was one of six kids and we were all 10 years from the oldest to the youngest. My mom, she was a wonderful mother. She raised us as a group. I never even had my own underwear after a certain point. I hated sharing. And I was made to feel like I was like this really selfish person. No. I was an individual. So all my sisters learned how to sew. I never learned how to sew. They all did this stuff. Yes, you are a terrible parent for not letting your kid have its own toys in the first place. I agree. Yes.
0: I agree. They had Thank their own you. toys.
2: You then just ruined them by dyeing them bright orange to teach them a lesson.
4: Yeah. Why <laughs> cannot a child have their own toys without you having to dye them? I mean, it would be nice if you shared. But yeah. No. You're a crap tola parent Yes.
2: Okay. Wow. So this one... This one won't go in my parenting book.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, yeah. Your third book about parenting. Yeah, please don't put this in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when I sent it to, I always send them early to Melissa and and she just wrote back abuse for
0: this one. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Melissa strong opinions.
4: Or you can make a kid like learn to love the color orange. I don't know.
0: Yeah, what's wrong with
2: orange? I don't love orange, but it's grown on me. I don't like it in my home.
0: I don't like want orange in my home, but I can literally everything in this room is orange. I (laughs) could not be more orange in this room that I'm currently in.
2: (laughs) That's why we maintain our odd couple dynamics. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, our final game, which I have renamed to Would You Forgive This Liar?
0: Okay, here we
2: Mm. go. (laughs) <laughs> it's a long one. Ever since you were little kids, your cousin has said that she can see ghosts and talk to spirits. Love it. She even makes a living out of being a professional medium. A few months after your best <laughs> friend passes away, oh no, you hire your cousin to communicate with your best friend. Uh-oh. You ask your cousin to ask your friend if she liked the funeral you threw for her. Oh, no. Your cousin relays that your friend thought it was tacky. Oh. 12 years later, Your cousin gets in a horrible sledding accident and mistakenly thinks she is going to die. She shouts, I don't want to die. I don't want to become nothing. When you try to console her by saying that she shouldn't be afraid because she out of everyone knows what the afterlife is like, she shouts, I made it all up. God damn it. I made it all up. (gasps) <gasps> Would you forgive this liar who made you think your best friend was mad at you over a tacky funeral?
4: said this story. Were you chewing mushrooms? <laughs> was like. Chewing mushrooms. Okay. I'm so hip. Chewing <laughs> mushrooms.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm going to refer to doing drugs from now on. Is chewing mushrooms. Chewing <laughs> mushrooms.
4: <laughs> First of all, I do believe in spirits.
0: Totally. So, we do too. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think that was mean. Would you forgive her? No. Oh, I would forgive her because clearly she doesn't believe in something she should believe in. Mm. And then she used this supposed gift to be mean mm-hmm. to this other person. So, shouldn't you instead of stooping to their level, let's all rise and forgive.
0: No, I think because it plays, if you're not a real, no, if you're not a real medium, you're playing with people's real feelings and emotions. Oftentimes, like, I don't mind if it's someone being like, your son loves you. He just wants to say that he loves you and forgives you, whatever. Like, that's fine. But like when the, like, there's this one show where the woman is always like, he wants to kill you. And like, you know, I don't know if that's real, but also like, God, don't you ever have a positive message from the other side? And so I feel like if you're using it to be positive, fine. But if you're using it to be like, they actually hated your funeral. No, go away. You're a bad person. Okay. I hope the sled kills you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> don't let the sled hit you with their good Lord split you. There you go.
0: Yes. <laughs> and that's going to go on merch. Don't let the sled hit you where the good
4: Lord split you. I am so hip and happening. <laughs> Two mushrooms, baby. <laughs> hey, have you all ever had somebody? <laughs> am I like the oldest person you've had on the show? No, No. Oh, shoot. Really?
0: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we have a wide range of guests on this show. We really do. Of all different (laughs) types. We like people with expertise. So yeah, sometimes.
4: Then there's me. (laughs) You're an expert.
0: (laughs) If you have a book coming out, you get to
2: count yourself as an expert. At least that's what I tell myself.
4: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. No, I like to tell everybody I'm not an expert, but I'm an information gatherer. And the book is about on Dating while gray, so yeah,
2: yeah, that's exactly yeah. my approach too. It's like I'm just re- I'm I'm relaying information from actual experts to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. you guys already wrote a book, though, didn't
0: you? We did, yeah. But Allison has one coming out that's called "Overthinking About You." That's her own like ex, you know, dating advice. Not she's not an expert, but she's an expert.
2: Well, it's about the intersection of dating and mental health, so it's like pretty oh uh, interesting specific, mm. but. Well, whatever. Anyway, this has been one of my favorite interviews. Uh-huh. This
4: has been fun. Okay, I, I'm going to say this, but if you keep it in, keep the whole thing up uh, for the sake of my children. Please, please don't put in the chewing mushrooms.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We have to keep that. It's it's fine. The fact
4: that their mom doesn't know how to say it. <laughs> Are they chewy? They can be. Yeah, no, do really Okay, know. so that's not necessarily <laughs> wrong. Oh my I God. don't think so. I know you don't smoke them, right?
2: Yeah, you eat them. So that's how I'm exclusively going to be referring to it from now on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: thank you for being here. Where can people find you and more about you?
4: Oh, so if you go to datingwhilegray.com, that's all you need to do. And there's uh, all the episodes. You can also find Dating Wall Gray wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and they can write to me at datingwhilegray at wunc.org. And also leave a voicemail at the datingwhilegray.com website. There's like a little talk to us button.
2: Perfect. Love I'd it. love
4: to hear from you. If you have a story, if your parents have a story, just let me know what you're thinking.
2: Amazing! Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about the zeitgeist—hard to spell, fun to say. <laughs> Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for topics. X
0: X X X X X baby, baby, baby. Wow, you went high.
3: I have to switch it up.
0: (laughs) I get it. I get it.
3: Keep you guessing.
0: So
2: I picked the Zeitgeist because I always feel like I, I guess maybe part of it is that I've stopped watching The Bachelor. And I used to like always know what was going on in The Bachelor world. And it was like this way for me to like instantly connect with people and talk with people. And now I'm like, Even though I find the show sort of boring now, I'm like, should I keep watching it just so I have something to talk about with other people and so I know what's going on? Oh, it just made me think of the wider thing of like, should we make an effort to be aware of what's going in pop culture because it is this way to like connect with each other?
0: I don't know. It depends. It's so funny because there used to be like four channels and so everyone knew all Mm -hmm. the shows and would talk about them and stuff. And now the zeitgeist depends on like who you're around and who you're talking to. And for me, like as a queer person, you gotta watch Drag Race. I know you don't have to, but like it's such a part of what we talk about and like references and stuff that like I felt like I had I had to, and I genuinely enjoy it. But like in talking to a friend who I hadn't seen in a while, she was like, "Have you seen Drag Race?" And I was like, "Okay, here's what I think." You know what I mean? Like. So it's kind of like our The Bachelor or like our, our Super Bowl in a weird way. Like the <laughs> yeah. drag race finale is truly the Super Bowl. But then it's funny to me when something breaks free of individual groups like inventing Anna. Like the the the, mm-hmm. the accent all became like a zeitgeist thing that like hit, every you know, almost everybody. Or, you know, there's certain things that have become pop culture things. And I'm always so curious when it breaks through, when it's not just a gay thing, a straight thing. Uh, you know what I mean? When it like actually permeates pop culture, I feel like that's so rare.
3: Yeah. For me, um, I watched a lot of Real Housewives, pretty much all the franchises when they came out. And I it fell off like during the pandemic because I just felt like it was just too much of people creating drama and there's enough drama in the world. And so I stopped watching it and I've been left out a lot of conversations amongst my friends because I don't watch it anymore. And then I also right? I'm like late to inventing Anna. I just finished it this morning at two o'clock. And um and but so why I did feel we like, all
0: have to watch it? Like how did know. that become the thing? There's shows that nobody watches.
3: I mean, I would have definitely watched it because I'm a big Shonda Rhimes fan and a Shonda Rhimes show, so I was going to watch it. I was just later than everyone else watching it, and now I feel like I missed out on a lot of conversations. It was okay.
0: Can I say, I watched the whole thing, I we it was like such a zeitgeisty thing, I did not like it. I, I, oh, really? I did not think it was well done, but she was good. A couple of the other actors were good. I think the dropout is is much better if we're comparing like scammer, scammer girl shows. But I didn't like it, but I finished it. And there's so many shows that I do enjoy that nobody talks about or cares about that I haven't even started because I feel like I have to know about the things that are what everybody's talking about.
3: I loved it personally. (laughs) I really like it. I think
0: there were two episodes that that could have just not been episodes. There were two episodes that I was like, we're wasting time.
2: I do, you know, sometimes I think about like, you know, what we do for a living and being in the arts and like, you know, being like, oh, is it bad that we didn't become like doctors or teachers or, Mm -hmm. but when you think about what people talk about. It's movies, TV, books, podcasts. Like, think about what our culture would be like if we didn't have these things to talk about. Like, all the time, I'll just, like, overhear people at dinner talking about a TV Mm -hmm. show, talking about a movie. Like, it's, like, what connects us, which I think is, like, so beautiful.
0: And it helps you find your people in some way. Like, this is a thing that's been going on where there's a show that all the gay people like called Yellow Jackets. And then there's a show Mm -hmm. that all the straight people like called Yellowstone. And so it's become a real litmus test because Yellowstone is one of the most watched shows. Like my yeah. parents love it, my aunt and uncle love it, friends of mine love it. Like it is by the numbers one of the biggest shows. I don't personally know anyone in the queer community who watches Yellowstone, and we. But then that we have a group chat with like ten people to talk about Yellow Jackets that I think did well, but is not anywhere near the numbers for Yellowstone. And so I live in like a warped reality where Yellow Jackets is the most popular show in the world and even not even gay. Let's talk about like Succession. Succession is such a cultural moment, but it has like one fifth the viewership of Yellowstone. (laughs) Like nobody actually watches. I mean, people do, but like I have a, a twisted sense of what the most popular shows in the world are.
3: I just connected that these are two different shows in my head. I don't watch either of them, but I see both of them. And I think that I melded them both in my head as one show, but they're different shows. It was called
0: Yellow Jacket Stone and it's about Christina Ricci and Melanie Linsky and Juliet Lewis and Tawny Cypress uh, living on a ranch in Wyoming. Is that
3: what you thought? no, No clue what either of the shows are about. I don't know what. I just see people talking about it and I thought they were the same show.
0: Mm-hmm. It depends on the bubble that you live in of what is like the most popular thing. Yeah,
2: and I also like I would include like celebrity gossip in the sight guys thing mm-hmm. too of like you know like what's going on like all the Kim and Kanye drama. Don't know anything about it.
3: I have both of them muted, so I'm glad I'm out of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I even struggle to review it as drama because I think it's it's much more close to just like a- abuse, abuse and. You know, I just I do think that it is this thing of like, I like knowing a general sense of what people are talking about, because I think like it is just like helpful. It's helpful in conversations with people, you know, like I'm going to PT all of the time. And like one thing we can always talk about is like TV, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because I don't know these people's backstories. I don't know their lives. I don't know them well. But like being able to kind of talk about these like cultural touchstones in terms of like what's going on in the celebrity world mm-hmm. or in shows or, you know, it, it makes it easier to make those connections. Like if like if I'm like struggling to find a way to talk to somebody, I'll be like, have you seen Love is Blind? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. then like immediately it's like, oh, phew, we got at least five
0: minutes of conversation we can have. I don't know anything that's I'm like very out of It. I don't know anything. Like, often, like, we'll get, as writers, we'll get, like, oh, you should submit a packet to, like, a late night show, right? Like a Colbert or an SNL. And they'll be like, come up with a topical sketch. I got nothing. I don't know (laughs) anything that's, I can't, I have no, I don't know anything. I know some stuff, but like, I really, I don't know anything. And I live in my own reality. So, like, I'm like, I think we all do. Yeah. So I just don't know. I, I, I'm not up on anything and I don't if there's drama, I'm not necessarily like into it unless again, it has to do with drag race.
3: <laughs> I'm very much into the soap opera world. And that's my own little culture, like the people exactly. that I talk to on Reddit are very much into it and they understand it. But most of the people in my real life don't. So mm-hmm. we create where our own zeitgeist is kind of.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I guess you could create your own mini
3: zeitgeist, mm-hmm.
0: which I think is lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it's really and like, it's always fun to be like, who's so famous to you and not to mm. anyone else. Mm-hmm. There's some TikTokers that nobody knows who they are other than on TikTok. But then like friends of mine who are super on TikTok will be like, oh, my God, you know that person. But then like nobody else. <laughs> Yeah, It's like, depends on like where, where you're like, there's also like other sides of TikTok where someone was like, this person is so famous. And I'm like, are they like, it used to be again, that there were like four famous people and everyone knew them.
3: And now it's like, who? I don't like when people talk about famous TikTokers, I'm like, I'm on TikTok all day long and I have no clue who these people are. So it's just, (laughs) it's weird how even with TikTok, you're creating your own Because of the algorithm creating your own zeitgeist of what TikTok is. Totally.
2: That's an area where I definitely feel like I got to be in the know to understand the content. Where I need to understand what the trends are to understand the jokes. To understand the language. To understand what they're doing.
0: A lot of times I don't like the drama because I feel like it's mean. Like it'll be like we're making, you know, the thing that is going around. Or the thing that everyone's making a joke about. Or the thing that is like in the zeitgeist is like making fun of someone. Oh. And so I try to stay away from that because it makes me feel icky on the inside.
2: I think that's a good barometer. Mm -hmm. Does it does it make you feel icky on the inside? And if so, it does. You don't need to know about
0: it. Yeah. And then people (laughs) rush to be the funniest person to make the joke about it. And I just am like, "Ah, I don't really like even like I, you know, like the whole thing with like uncut gems. Like, I'm like, why do we have to make fun of this girl? Who cares? Yeah. But it like was such a thing that I was forced to know
3: about it (laughs) against my will. Even my Alexa had a joke about it.
0: See? And I'm like, why? (gasps) What do you
3: mean? When you would ask like who was Josh Safdie's muse, then they would say uncut gems in the same way. But now it's not there anymore. So I think she had it taken down. But I caught it. One time while I was recording, so I have it <laughs> for
0: proof. See, it's like, why are we making fun of this woman's voice? Like, who cares? I don't know. Anyway. What do we rate
2: this episode?
0: I rate it 50 out of 49 dates.
2: Ooh. I'll rate it 37 out of 12 strange noises while your partner's away.
3: <laughs> so many of them. I'll rate it 50 out of 23 you to think that something's voice activated when it's not. <laughs> John will like that.
0: <laughs> well, thank you to Laura Stassi for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren.
2: Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music.
0: To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at Forever slash plus.
2: And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash forever dog team or youtube.com slash just between us show.
0: Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at She Is Not Melissa, at Allison Raskin, and at Gabby Road on Instagram, where you can find everything and maybe pre-order Allison's book. Okay, bye.
1: FOREVER!
0: DOG!